Now may the Lord add his blessings to the subject of a blushing <coughs> prophet. This morning we were very much tuck up with a prophet who wore a second-handed robe. And we know tonight, since in the scripture this morning, that we ourselves wear a second-handed robe. We, the robe, and I am so happy that it is a second-handed robe. For this robe that we wear now has been reckoned to God as righteousness through Christ Jesus. And we're not taking the moth-eaten robe of some man's theology who's been eaten up with moths and crickets and so forth, saying that the days of miracles is past and there's no such a thing as uh, the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit now. But we are wearing a robe of His righteousness, not in our own abilities, but in the, uh, the ability of our Lord Jesus. And when I come down to the Jordan, I want to have on His robe, Amen. trusting in His. And the great shadow of the gate that's set before us all, called death, each time our heart beats, we go one beat closer to that great gap that every man and woman must go through. And when I come to that gap, along with you believers, I'm so happy to know that I'm not going there with this in my heart and mind, that I have done something great. I'm going there confessing and knowing that I'm a sinner. And knowing this, that I want to wrap myself in the robes of His righteousness with this testimony that I know Him in the power of His resurrection. Amen. That when He calls from the dead, I want to come out. Amen. Now, our scene and drama is set tonight for our text of another day in Israel which was about several hundred years past uh, the time of Elijah. Many ups and downs had come in the reign of Israel. And now we're at the scene tonight. This morning we were at the scene of where there was a lot of carnal impersonation. How did the school of prophets were up there training to be prophets? And how simple they were. They even they couldn't understand the power of God. They thought the power had lifted Elijah up and throwed him out on the mountain somewhere and to send a search party to hunt for him. When Elisha knew good and well that God had taken him to glory. For he was not. God had taken him and he escaped death by going home to God on a chariot of fire and horses of fire. And then we've seen that their seminaries and their uh, works of their own theology this work had taken election and calling of God to make a prophet of God. And now tonight, we find Israel in a backslidden condition. Israel had its ups and downs. It was the very type of the church today. Sometimes they were on the housetops. The next time they were down in the valley. That's what takes to make us appreciate the good things. There's what they call the law of contrast. The black man of Africa never knows that he was black, his skin, until he seen David Livingston. And he said, then he realized his skin was black because Livingston's was white. It's a contrast. You would never know how to appreciate a day if you didn't have a night. You would never know how to appreciate the sunshine if you didn't have a cloudy day. 
you would never know how to appreciate righteousness unless uh, you had had some unrighteousness. You would never know how to appreciate good health unless you've had some foul health, some bad health. It's only those. And that's the reason I think that we'll appreciate heaven so much because we've lived on earth once. And I think the law of contrast. The reason that we appreciate the Holy Spirit so much tonight is because we lived so long in a church that told us there wasn't such a thing. The reason we appreciate it tonight because we have had the other side. And that's the way God has intended it to be because His people have had their ups and downs. You never know how to appreciate a mountaintop unless you've been in the valley. And so you never know how to appreciate good water unless you drink some bad sometimes. And then... All the way through, it's a law of contrast. Now, Israel was in one of its backslidden states. And what a thing they had done. Now, Israel was a chosen, elected, selected people. That God had chosen Israel for one specific purpose, that the blood of Israel should be the cleanest bloodstream. For out of that lineage was going to come the Messiah himself. All down through the Old Testament, God appeared in man. God appeared in Abraham as a faith believer. God appeared in David as a king. He appeared in Joseph as righteousness. He appeared in Moses as prophet, priest, lawgiver. He appeared down to the ages in the prophets. He always made himself known in man, in potion, through prophet, king, priest, lawgiver, so forth. But in Christ, he dwelt in him the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And knowing that this spirit must finally find a resting place. On Elijah, he was a man of God's justice. He uh, bleated out the justice of God. And Moses, he was the lawgiver that you told the marker, get out. And all these things God represented. But when he came to Christ, he was perfect. The entire fullness of the Godhead bodily rested in Christ. And God represented himself once in the fullness beforehand. In the book of Genesis, in the order of Melchizedek, who had no father, no mother. No beginning of days or ending of years or ending of life. And he was a priest, the king of Salem, a priest of God, of the Most High God, who was without beginning or without ending. He was none other than the prefigure of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was the king of Salem, which is the king of peace, which is the king of Jerusalem. And he was in prefigure, even the patriarch. Abraham paid tithes to him. He was a prefigure of the coming of the Lord Jesus. The same Melchizedek met Abraham out on the plains before the destroying of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and he met him after Sodom and Gomorrah when Abraham paid him a tithings of all the spoils that he had taken from the king. All these things, the shadows, typed up to Christ. And now all the shadows of the Old Testament saints, their ups and downs, was a shadow and type and example for us today. Now we find that Israel was not to mix marriage. Their marriage was to be among one another. 
not no Israelite to ever marry a Gentile, but was to keep their bloodstream clean. And even till this day, I believe the Jewish bloodstream is the cleanest bloodstream on the face of the earth today, is the Jews. They're still looking for that Messiah. But he's, we know that he has already come, and their eyes were blinded that we could have a chance of repentance through Christ. Now, during the time of the reign of Ezra, the children of Israel had become backslid. They had went out and got the Moabite women, and they had got the women of the Amorites, the Persianites, and many of the other nations, and had not only had married them, but was committing fornication among them, uncleansing and polluting the very bloodstream, which is the life stream. And what a picture that is today of our churches, the way they're falling away from the old-fashioned viewing line that God laid down for the church, the precepts that we were to live by. The church is committing fornication with the world. Got out into the world and began to dally in the world. Now, this had embarrassed the prophet so much till when he come before God, he blushed in his face. The first one he heard about, and it seemed the, the moral decay of his people, it hurt him so bad until he sat down and anointed himself plucked his hair out and his beard out and was heavy-hearted before the Lord in prayer. Then when the evening sacrifice was offered, he went into the temple and fell on his knees and blushed before God for the sins of the people. Now he didn't blush for the scarlet streak of the red light district. He didn't blush for the booze drinkers and the hell holes. Although as bad as it may be. But he blushed because the sin of the elect. And what we need today is some more prophets with enough God in their heart to blush in the presence of God for the sins of the people who call themselves the people of God and doing the way they're doing. What a disgrace we brought to this place. The morals of our people, this is not an easy subject to speak on. I could think of many things that were easier to speak on. But brother, if somebody don't stand out in this sinful, adulterous day that we live in and call the colors, what's going to happen? Somebody has got to speak to things. Somebody's got to place it before the people. Perhaps Ezra didn't want to do it. But it was in his heart. And when you see a servant of God get so sincere till he's on his face with his hands in the air uh, praying to God and blushing because the iniquity of the people, then you're going to see a revival start. A man cannot lay in the presence of God. A church cannot... Stay in the presence of God under repentance unless the Holy Spirit comes down and gives unction and power to start a move of God in that among those people. Just got to be. Show me a man. Show me another Calvin. 
not finished thinking. Or any of those who feels the burden of the people that will lay on their face and cry and pray before God. Send us a John Smith of the Baptist Church again who prayed all night for the iniquity of the people until his eyes would be swelled shut the next morning from weeping till his wife would lead him to the table and feed him his breakfast out of a spoon. Show me a John Wesley again, a firebrand. That's from the fire. I'll show you a revival. What we're doing today, we're patting it on the back. We're calling it this and that and a revival when there's no revival to it. That's right. There's a stirring of emotion, of religion among the people, but no revival. They had a religious group in that day. They had a stirs in that day. But they needed a revival. Why, my dear brother and sister, the morals of this nation has become so low till it would make a dog ashamed. It would make a hound blush. If it could do so. The immorals of our people. The people even years ago. The things that we have, the, the nation has done. The things that the people has done. It's all the lack of prayer. The church that used to didn't believe at picture shows. They wouldn't let their children go to picture shows. They would shun picture shows. And today, why they even have, they have the picture show in their own house. Every house has a television. In the place where they used to think it was wrong to drink beer. In a place where they used to think John Barleycorn. What a great, honorary fellow he was. Today, 60% of so-called Christians take a social rank at least once a year. Then they get on a big spree around Christmas when they have their celebrations because they have adopted education to take the place of salvation. It'll never do it. What we need is a revival. We put corn plasters on Take them off and another corn plaster and take it off and still find the pain is there. What we need today is not social regeneration. It's not intellectual talks. What we need today is an old-fashioned, God-sent blood transfusion from heaven. The corn plasters won't do no good. We are anemia. We need a blood transfusion. We need to come back to the old-fashioned gospel that calls out for repentance before God. And not a dry-eyed, hand-shut profession, but a God-sent Holy Ghost revival with the possession of the cleansing of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in every human heart. We need a revival to start in the church and sweep the nation across. We'll die, we'll perish, we're gone without that type of revival. I'm so sick and tired of seeing little petty Hollywood revivals, so-called, where people come in and get emotionally stirred up for a couple of hours and, or a day or two or a week or two and go out and that's all of it. Brother, you can be uh, worked up by revival. You can have emotions. You can have good intentions. All those things are fine. But we don't need that today. We need a baptism of the Holy Spirit to change the emotions and the intellect and the views, the habits, the life of the people and put them back on the right road again. 
outside of a blood transfusion from Calvary, all of our reformations won't do any good at all. Amen. We don't need a U.N. We have a U.N. there, and what do they do? God's name's never called. They're afraid to call it. It was once asked by the clergy group. Why did they have prayer? They said it might offend somebody else, one of the others who didn't believe in God. Oh, what we need is a revival. Don't make a difference who it offends. We got to preach the gospel and call our colors for it. I wouldn't give you a dime for any program that left God out of it. Whether it's a UN or a Big Four or whatever it might be. Until this nation wakes up to the place that we're dying without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until individuals wake up to the, to the call that we're dying, the reason we're dying is without the original, the way, the remedy, the cure that God gave us at Calvary. No wonder it makes a man blush. No wonder a real true preacher will look upon his congregation and try to lead them before the throne of God and visit their homes and find them smoking cigarettes Telling dirty jokes to each other, entertaining in the backyard with beer parties, walking around on the streets with young women and middle aged and so forth, and even grandmother with a little shorts on, mother out on the street with a baby on one arm, dressed sexy enough to attract the attention of any bootlegger that walked the street, and calling themselves Christians. It'll make any true man of God blush to bring such a person in the presence of God. Right? And all of our joining church and getting a better class has come to nonsense and it did in that day and it will this bring us back to God. Not with the injection of education. Not with an injection of religious revelation. Not in the uh, injection of some kind of man-made theology. But an old-fashioned baptism of the Holy Ghost set down from God out of heaven in a Pentecostal experience of burning out the carnality and replacing in there the jewel that God intended to be in there of the Son and Daughter of God. Till we do that, brothers and sisters, we will still have bobbed hair, makeup on, sexy-looking women and men drinking, smoking, and calling themselves Christians because they don't know no better. And their heart, that very root of carnality, lays there, and we need a church cleaning up from the basement to the pulpit. Amen. 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 And that's right. What we need today is some blushing prophets. God. Sometimes people come to the prayer line to be prayed for. Looks like they're going to a house of ill things. Right. Coming to ask God for something looking like a Jezebel. What we need today is a house cleaning and a heart forming. A promise of God who will stand in the pulpit and call a thing out and tell what's right and what's wrong and preach the gospel without compromising until sinners fall on the floor and weep until God sends the Holy Spirit to clean up their lives. Amen. Oh, that's right. That's right. I preached here not long ago and said that every woman in this city was guilty in one way or the other of adultery. They are. The women go downtown here and you can hardly buy a dress. Unless it's so like they was poured in. I'm not here to... This is my own church. I have a right to preach what the Holy Spirit tells me. Right. 
Let me tell you, I'm not criticizing you, my sister. But don't the Holy Spirit teach you different? If it doesn't, I'm afraid you didn't get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not shouting. The Holy Spirit's not dancing in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit is righteousness. God give us a Holy Ghost revival of God's set righteousness. Did you realize that when you dress yourself like that and walk down the street and man looks at you in the wrong way, that at the judgment you may be as pure as a lily before your husband, but at the judgment you'll be guilty of committing adultery with the guy that you presented yourself to. Wonder it will make so wonder what does it do to cough when the Bible said in the beginning that it grieved him that he made man. It grieved the heart of God when he looked upon him in the days before the end of losing destruction that he ever made a man. What happened? The sons of God saw the daughters of man was there. It was a perversion. It was a sex mix-up. It was that thing that drove the children of, of God from the Garden of Eden. It was that thing that drove God's judgment to bring uh, peace upon the earth. It was that thing that caused them to destroy. It was that same mixing up between women and men that caused Sodom and Gomorrah to sink in the bottom of the Dead Sea. It was told by the prophet. It was told by the Lord Jesus that as it was in those days, so will it be before the coming of the Son of God. We look today and see that the church is taking its pattern not out of the Bible, out of Ruth and out of Neoma and out of Sarah and the ones in the Bible, but their pattern, even the women of the church after Hollywood and the very dregs of the devil. Yeah. How that our people who call themselves Christians go out here and get this evil man's ways, these records of Elvis Presley, or what his name is, one of the most deluded devil-possessed people I'd ever heard of in my life, Arthur Godfrey such as that, and listen to them kind of nonsense on your radios and refuse to hear the gospel sermons preached in the Bible? God have mercy on you. What kind of a spirit have we got among us? That is right. No wonder the prophet of God blushed before the, the Lord. He knew that was unrighteous. And he stood and pleaded the case. And say to God, we're unrighteous. And we are friends. And until we can come back to that spot of a blood transfusion, quit trying to put on plaster. Quit trying to put on some sand. The healing can't come unless the bloodstream drives. That's the reason that people have got diabetes. If one would ever cut himself, it probably would never be. Why? Because the real red blood cells is eat up. And the whole church has become diabetic. And every little cup that comes in, instead of walking on you, pick at it. It can't heal. Selfishness, greed, immorality, everything else that's in the calendar of God's wrongdoing. The church is picking up those habits. Man, drinking, smoking, telling dirty jokes. Women cutting their hair, wearing makeup, doing all kinds of things, dressing themselves immorally, the face of people. All those things are because it's the lack of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That may seem hard. Sure it's hard, but it's the truth. 
judgments of Almighty God. You're going to be caught one of these days in an atomic explosion here that will send every soul out into eternity to meet a God who will only recognize the blood of His Son, Christ Jesus. My advice to see you is come under the blood. My advice to see you is to get back to God. My advice to see you is why can't we have faith? Why can't we have greater healings than we do have? Why can't we get ourselves soundly built? It's because we're putting on corn plasters. Because we're putting on thicker, putting on pieces of tape. We're trying to cover the thing up instead of saying we need a transfusion. Amen. We're without blood. We're without Christ. Don't let yourself be fooled. Don't let the devil pat you on the shoulder. Say, well, I go to church. The devil does too. Right. Be sure to come up to God. Went to church up in heaven. Come before the throne of God with the sons of God. Sit down with them. Had an audience with God. He said, where have you been? to so walk through the Lord up down on the earth. That's where he had been. So the devil goes to church. The devil belongs to church. The devil acts like a Christian. He's a deceiver. And if he didn't act like a Christian and act like a church, he wouldn't be a deceiver. Amen. No man can be deceived or anything is different than black and white. It's contrary to one another. But he, the Bible said that it'd be so close that it would deceive the very elected part. Amen. The Spirit in the last days. Friends were there. It's time for the prophets of God. Oh, brother, for the preachers, if you would say it, across the nation, to fall on their face. Well, though there's 19 million Baptist churches, 19 million Baptist brothers in America, 13 million Methodists, 11 million Lutherans, 10 million Presbyterians. Mercy, think of that. And constantly, the ball game, the amusement, and on Wednesday night, and sometimes on Sunday night, stay home to listen to the television and the radio of old drug gags and jokes they pull from Hollywood. Your soul rolling on that kind of stuff when you ought to have your Bible out somewhere laying out before God on your knees a praying for the sins of the country. And I'm guilty with you. I have made my mind up by the help and grace of God. If I, God will give me strength to do it, I'm determined to press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus till death shall set me free. God be my helper to be Help me, my friend. Seeing the worst and seeing the things that I have seen and you have seen and lagging behind and become a spiritual anemia in this tabernacle which is known throughout the entire world, this little concrete block place sitting on the corner, God has lifted you up before the nation. Right. I think of what David one night when he said, Here I am living in a house of cedar. And the ark of my God dwells in the tent. He said, I'll build him a house. Nathan the prophet said, Do all in your heart because God is with you. That night God appeared to Nathan and said, Dave, go tell David. Who was you, David? You were, I took you from a sheep coat, from attending the sheep, and I made you a great name, like great man of the nation. Who was in this little tabernacle sitting here? A little old backwash, kicked out something sitting on the corner of 8th and 10th Street that Harley Jeffersonville knew where it was at. And the people had come here. And today, God, by His mercy, 
has picked you up and made you a great people. Bombay India knows where this tabernacle is setting. Delhi knew to all these other nations. Africa knows where this place is. India, Germany, England, Finland, Sweden, Europe, Asia. They all are way down in the islands of science. And down in there, they know all about it. And God has made us an example to the people. And to think that it's your God doing that. And we turn around and silly dally in the things of the world and become a very spiritual anemia. How we ought to be in a lighthouse that sit on a hill. Our candle that cannot be hid. Oh God, I'm as guilty as the rest of you. What I mean, I want an old fashioned God sent repentance. And a calling back to God. That when men and women walk in that door on crutches, they'll walk out without them. When the vine is led in the door, they'll go out season. When the death comes in, death, they'll go out here. When sinners come in, black and smutty with sin, will go out worse than the blood of the Lamb. God called Israel and made an example. God called us and made an example. But we've let out on God. And it blushes us in the presence of God to think that the things that He's done for us, how He's lifted us up from the sheep corn, how He's made us known in all the world, how He's done the great things for us. And yet we dilly dally and around and go out and we're not seen to be sincere. We don't have prayer anymore. Things just don't like going right. And we're trying to put on a little program, corn plasters to ease the pain. You can't ease the pain until you get good rich blood in there to heal the things. Right? You cut an old corn out and you'll get yourself with diabetes and you'll take your foot off. Don't try to dismiss this and bypass this and put a corn plaster on this. But the thing to do is come straight out before God and say, God, I am anemia and I need your blood to cleanse me from all my sins. That's my prayer. Trust that it's yours. Think of these things, friends. One of these days, it's just as apt to happen before daylight in the morning as it is to happen 50 years from today. One rocket bomb, one of those cobalt or hydrogen bombs, because the whole nation is on an alert. You see in the paper of the day where they're requiring something, the Pentagon to answer the flying saucers. It was a myth. It wasn't something you'd imagined. It was real. It was an intelligence. They flew in battle formation. They could stop. They could start. They could stop. They could tell. It was an intelligence. They know it. The people laughed. They said flying soldiers made a fun out of it. But you know what I'm thinking? Jesus said, before he comes, there will be signs in the heaven above. Did you notice before he started to destroy some anymore because of their sex affairs? He sent angels down to investigate it. Angels have come to the earth in the last few years. Amen. They've been seen among people. I mean, honest, blood-washed people who know this. They've even stood and had their pictures taken. Right. Angelic beings has visited Taking word back to the power that sin is heaped so it's dark and hardly shine. The moon, the whole world are reeling like a drunk man coming in at night. 
Right. Then among the Christians, among the elect, they stole their birthrights out for popularity. The minister has swapped the gospel for a social calling. He swapped the old-fashioned blood-washed gospel for intellectual uh, uh, with the people. To preach intellect, talk of societies, and misuse the gospel. Many of them has went out into the fields of preaching and used the gospel for personal gain, to make money. Many of them have got big farms and cars and things that they never would have had. Personal gain. Not all. I'm thankful that there's still a remnant. In the days of Ezra, when Ezra began to weep and to call out and to rebuke the sin, you know what happened? All the elect that trusted God gathered around him. What we need today is men and women. Your preachers is preaching your churches and call sin, sin, and rebuke it. The real people of God will get around around you and stay with you. That's right. It's time to call out and say which is which. Separate right from wrong. God grant it to us that we'll have the courage to do it. Just think what could happen. As I was telling you, I believe this morning, I heard someone say it. That upon one of these watchers that's watching, I forget what you call it now, for the bomb, for the planes to come. Not long ago, there was a program come through somewhere that they had called out the big fleets with 300 jet bombers with atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs hanging on them. Not long ago, at the big airport in Shreveport, one of the boys was converted over there in meetings to Brother Jack. He said, we got atomic bombs hanging right in the hangars. I said, aren't you? In the, I mean, in the, in the planes, and we go out and practice with them daily. I said, aren't you afraid for the head of the triggers in it? But we're so on the alert that within the space of a minute, 60 seconds, we could have the triggers in there and gone. And fueled up and ready, they could fly to England with them immediately. The great hangars are setting out in the oceans everywhere. And they're saying to Russia, Dare you drop one bomb? Just drop one atomic bomb on the UN or somewhere there and look what happens. What will it be? It'll be an onslaught go to Russia. And if they would do that and start dropping those atomic and hydrogen bombs, it would cause a chain reaction that would burn the earth to the wind. Just smell. You know, it wouldn't just agree with Scripture a bit, for the earth shall burn the heavens too. The atoms of the earth shall burn. We're living in a danger state. We're living in a day when men of the world are scared to death. The great man. They're, they're afraid who's going to burst that first bomb. The first bomb that goes off and the whole thing goes into a rally. It ought to be the happiest time in the world for the Christian. Times are going to change. The old is going to become young. Oh my, death is going to fleet away, sickness will be no more. No more prayer meetings for the sick. No more prayer meetings for the lost. But God shall come and take the elect from the four winds of the earth and shall gather them under his own wings. And we'll live and reign with him forever in his heaven. Oh, brother, sister, friend of mine, if you're not prepared tonight, may you be prepared at this hour. I give you an invitation to come to Christ Jesus tonight and receive. You that's been different, you that know that you're not where you should be with God, I invite you to the altar with myself. I invite every one of you to come here 
and not only to save, but to stay here until God has cleansed your soul from everything that's unlike Him. Until you can go out of here a new person, not with a corn plaster, but go out of here with a blood transfusion that purifies your blood and gives you new life and new hope. Go out with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Go out, not shouting, not dancing, not so much. Them things are all right. They all belong in the church. They all belong in the Bible. But what I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. God love. A young man was talking to me the other day. His mother, a dear woman. I know the woman met her once or twice. And she said, oh, honey, to her boy, come here, I want you to look. I have the oil in my hand. Well, I have too. It's where I've been sweating. Now, said, I've got oil in my hand. Said, what do you think of that? And the boy looked at his mother and said, Mother, I want to ask you something. She is wanting to pray, wanting to pray that she'd have a closer walk with God. He said, when the oil come in your hand, did it take away all your condemnation? Did it give you a sweet experience with God? Well, they all, no. Said, then I'd leave it alone. <laughs> That's it. All oh, the world, the religious world, the Pentecostal people are looking for fantastic. The world, the educated so-called world, the denominational world, is looking for some great solution that they can uh, embedder their denomination and get more members into it, a million more people. And the, the nations are looking for some kind of a police force that can bring all the world to the knees and bring righteousness. Brother, it doesn't come by Pentecostal fantastic. Neither does it come by Protestant organizations or by Catholic hierarchy. Neither does it come by pedagogues or turning new pages. It comes by surrendered life to Jesus Christ through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anything short of that, it's wrong. Let us pray. I'll ask your sister to come to the organ or the piano this time. While we're in prayer, while every person has their head bowed, and every person in prayer, I wonder at this moment, if you would test your spirit against the Word of God, are you right? After this service, as I told you, I got a mother-in-law laying on her at the very point of death I got to do. She's dying. Other friends that I know of here that I visit, it's laying at the point of death. People who sit in this church. Oh, brother, sister, you're coming down there too. You've got to come down there. Now you say, well, I, I know that, Brother Brown. I'm aiming to get that thing fixed up some of these days. But it may not be some of these days for you. This may be the only day. How little did that man know? Coming from California, going to Michigan another day with his little wife up here driving the, the car, him in the pickup, going to their new home. He just retired from the Navy. How well did he know when he started off that morning, maybe from a tourist court, that his wife and baby would be a carp in a few minutes? But just above Henryville, their, their car collided with a bus, and the driver made the, the, his vehicle do a jackknife almost, but it killed the woman and the little girl. I trust that their soul was right with God. A few weeks ago, when Brother Woods and I went up here to an airplane that fell back behind that place here, and watched them pull pieces of eight man's body, one heads and legs and arms was all over the place. 
digging up the body and the entrails falling out of the man's body. A good man, perhaps a famous man from Chicago. When that man got in the plane that morning, I wonder the night that he went to church if he had good intentions. Did the pastor give an altar call? Did he rebuke sin? And the man had a chance. Or did he go out like an animal? Was the man in the sight of God a son of God? Think of those things, friends. They are important. They are not only important, they're the most important thing to you this hour. This is the time when you'll make up your mind. This is the time when you may make your decision of this life or the life hereafter. May you do it while we pray. Heavenly Father, as we read in the Bible of what you said about sin and those who do it and not confess, we realize what it means to die without knowing God. We know that by experience of others that we have seen gold. Those who intended, those who put it off too long. God, those who had professed and not possessed what they said they had. Those who had acted like Christians and yet never was a Christian. Their life proved it and their death made it manifest. Now, Father, I pray that you'll speak to every heart here tonight and myself, Lord, for being dilatory, for many things that I could have done and did not do. I confess my wrongs. I confess the wrongs of this people. I confess the wrongs of this nation. I ask you to have mercy, Lord. I've got three little children there to raise. And we're living here on a hot spot. And God, there's no need of running. You know all about it. God, I want to be right with you. Someday, if the atomic bomb don't get us, a wreck will. If a wreck don't get us, some disease will. Something has got to take us. But we're so happy to know that there is a way of escape. The name of the Lord is a, is a power. And the righteous run in there at our safe. God, may the sinner friend tonight, boy, girl, man, or woman, see the open door, the opportunity, and run to Christ this hour. Now, while we have our heads bowed, is there some here, or I uh, know there's some here, that would like to save but an uplifted hand to God. I'm ashamed of my life. And I, I want to confess my wrongs before God and ask for mercy. Raise up your hand to God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's many of you. Many of you. Yes. Yeah. There's many of you here too. That's pro- God bless you. Many of you here who have professed Christianity for a long time and know that you have failed to toe the line with God. Know that you're doing things right now that you ought not to do and you're going on confessing them. Just loosely floating along with the tide. Look at the kind of programs you should not look at. Look at the kind of magazines and reading the literature that you should not read. That's not becoming to Christians. Listening to the jokes of vile, vile and dirt and smut that you know you shouldn't do. Both men and women. You know places where you could have spoken did not do it. And you're guilty. Maybe the sin of omission. I wonder if you'd raise your hand to Christ to have mercy on you and forgive you. Raise your hand. God bless you, young lady. As the woman walks out to come to the altar to confess her. Raise your hand to God. God bless you. That's right. That's right. God bless you. Raise your hand. 
You know you've done wrong. I wonder if you had the courage tonight to meet me here at the altar. Let's kneel around here and say, God, be merciful to all of us. We're in need of you. God bless you, lady. To see these young women coming weeping. Life before them. They're at the crossroads. They're a victim of circumstances. What do you realize, old man? When we were boys, our boys has got ten times the temptation that we had. Sister, do you realize that your daughter has ten times the temptation you had when you was a girl? What will her daughter have? Look at the things, the pictures of devils of Satan. Oh, how we need to pray. Now I want to go back to you again. Brother, do you realize we don't pray half as much as our fathers did? Pastor, do you know we don't put as much time on our knees as the pastors before us did? Women, do you realize you don't instruct your daughter and pray with her mouth like your mother did? You? Then what about it? Who's guilty? We're guilty. There's no way around it. We're guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not doing the job of God like I should do. I'm confessing it that I'm wrong. I'm asking God to be merciful to me. I look out here and see the opportunities I've missed because of petty things, little old insignificant things that didn't mean nothing. I'm ashamed of myself as a gospel minister before you. I repent before God and ask God to forgive me and the church to forgive me for being so dilatory about the work of God. By the grace of God and by the help of God, I'll not listen to what everyone trying to tell you something to do. They got a program. They got something for you to do. Nonsense! I know God's program is written out here in the Bible. I'm ashamed of myself as a minister of the gospel. One million souls won, or to have ten million souls won. I'm away behind. What about you? How many souls you won? Since you've been a Christ, Christianity just goes from one to another. How many souls you won since you've been a Christian? If you're not winning souls, you're guilty. You're barren. You're brought shame on the church and the gospel. How many people you get out for Wednesday night prayer meeting? If you're not doing it, you ought to be ashamed of yourself before Christ. You're guilty. And your place is at the altar. I invite you to come with me for repentance. And would you bow your heads and keep it bowed a minute? While I feel my guilt and would like to repent. Just bow your head. Our Heavenly Father, I bow upon this altar and ask forgiveness of my sins. I ask forgiveness of the sins of those who are around the altar. I ask forgiveness for this church, for the body, for the body believers nationally and internationally. I ask for mercy for us being so dilatory concerning the things of the kingdom. I ask that you'll pardon us of our sins and take away our, uh, our transgressions. And forgive us for being so stupid. The stupidity of all the people. How we have come short. How we have taken bodily exercise. How we have done things that we ought not have done. How we have sinned before you. And on this Sunday night meeting, Father, see the blushing prophet of the Bible. We blush tonight. I blush. 
walking the streets and acting the way they are. To see the prostitution, the young man living in and all kinds of life, him staying home from the church and reading old magazines that are on lottery, looking at uncensored programs, listening to Hollywood dirty jokes, listening to old boogie-woogie music of the devil that's hacked out the man that's a
Among my brethren, this is the only order I'm glad to see tonight about as many men as there is women. Usually it's the women that can easily break their hearts or something about them, can easily be touched because of the feminists of their, their ladies, and you can sometimes touch them. But I'm so glad to see the Holy Spirit can touch man, too, and bring them to the altar. And I wonder how many of you at the altar knelt now that feels that you have made a consecration to God, that you're going out of here tonight to live a better life for the grace of God and to do more for the kingdom of God and for His cause. Would you raise your hand to Christ if you're around the altar and say, I believe that now I have repented. And God bless you. How many of you back there feel that you repented in your seat and feel like you want to do better? God bless you. Now, let us stand. You here at the altar, face around that way if you want. Are you here at the altar, raise your hands out there that you desire their prayer that you may continue on. Will you raise your hands to the ones in the altar? Now you raise your hands back here at the altar here that you desire their prayer too. That will God will help us to do. May the Lord Jesus bless us. Now, don't forget, the Sunday night service had your word to say, but never Tuesday and Wednesday night, where is that mission located? 1628 West Market. This coming Tuesday and Wednesday night. And then on Saturday and Sunday, I'll be at Madisonville, Kentucky, at the auditorium there. And then we go on up into New York. Now, the reason we're letting out early, I've got a mother-in-law that's very, very ill. And they're calling for me. Now, let us... Have you got a word to say, Brother Neville? No. Nothing. Let's bow our hands. Slowly now.